0: I'm Richmond County Sheriff Richard Roundtree. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon.
1: Good day, good day, social media and SoundCloud family. You're listening to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. This is the third and final edition of a three-part series that we're calling Meet the Candidates. It's a great political series. Election Day is Tuesday in Augusta, Richmond County. And what we've had a chance to do is talk to candidates in a series of uh, local political races, If you guys have been listening, you all know uh, this has really been an exciting experience. Uh, This particular podcast is going to feature candidates for state court, as well as candidates for House Districts 124 and 125. Before we get underway, let's thank our sponsors. Medical Villa Pharmacy, 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard in Augusta, Georgia. If you're looking for affordable health care, a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy. 706-727355. 706 7355 Taxwise Financial, 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepsiba, Georgia. Professional and affordable representation. The wise choice for all your tax needs, that's TaxWise Financial, 706-305-1412. Can't forget about my friends over at Urban Pro Weekly. It's a free weekly newspaper in the CSRA covering issues relating to the local community. Making a difference. Actually has a weekly column in UPW. We've also been doing some great political profiles. I hope you guys have had a chance to check those out. Back issues are available at the Urban Pro Weekly page on Facebook. Follow that right now. Post haste, uh, we had some scheduling conflicts with two of the candidates, so their audio isn't featured. We had a chance to mention that on the previous episode with Marshall Steve Smith in the state court judges race. We were not able to get audio of candidate uh, state court judge candidate Monique Walker. However, we were able to do a great political profile on her, and that can be found as I, can be found as I mentioned. On the Urban Pro Weekly Facebook page. Well, you've heard from me. Now I want you to listen to the candidates. This is the final edition of Meet the Candidates right here on Making a
2: Difference. I am Patrick Cullinan, Police Benevolent Association of Georgia staff representative. Ramon Lampkin has demonstrated that his experience and values make him uniquely qualified to represent the voters of Richmond County as their marshal. Ramon also demonstrated that he is committed to making strong, effective law enforcement a priority in the marshal's office. Ramon Lampkin has earned the support of the PBA. We are asking that citizens of Richmond County show their support and vote Ramon Lampkin for Marshall on May 24th. Paid for by the committee to elect Ramon Lampkin. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable
1: health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further. The Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show, Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists, Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis, and I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the Medical District near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College, Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Evita
2: Pascal was appointed by Mayor Devaney as a municipal court judge. She's got the experience.
3: Evita Pascal has been an attorney in at the CSRA for over 40 years.
4: She has a degree from the University of Georgia Law School. Ms. Pascal will look out for senior citizens, and we need her.
5: A vote for Evita Pascal is a vote for our future. Vote for
6: Evita Pascal.
0: May 24th, vote Evita Paschal for Superior Court Judge.
2: I'm Kelly McIntyre. I'm honored you elected me your Solicitor General four years ago, but I need your help again. I'm running for State Court Judge. I have 23 years of judicial experience, and I've seen hundreds of cases. And I'm the only candidate who understands how today's state court operates. My experience has prepared me to transition from solicitor to state court judge. I know I'm not entitled to your vote. That's why I'm
0: asking for your vote on May 24th. Paid for by the committee to elect Kelly McIntyre State Court Judge.
1: State Court Judge Candidate, Kelly Kenner McIntyre. You you're married into the McIntyre family, and, uh-huh. so, and so you have that surname what what does it mean to you not just uh in terms of name recognition but also in terms of community service
6: okay um you're right married into the mcintyre family and you know the funny thing is is you just had no we had no idea what that meant at that time and um when i went to Marlowe initially even run for a solicitor he didn't even know that i had political aspirations and when i went to him he said is this something that you're sure that you want to do and i said of course but um i know that nothing happens by chance but i, I just you know i know that this is all in god's plan and it's just a, a continuum of, of community service because it's not just his dad that was involved you know his uncle and his aunt all of them have served augusta and his grandmother his grandmother i mean it's just it's ingrained in the family. This is something that they do. We we all love Augusta and want the best, and then that's part of community service is just simply wanting the best for your community, seeing the community grow and to do well and to everybody in the community to, to prosper and to fare well, because this is where we live. I mean, we want people to come back home. We don't want them... You know, to be fearful of coming home, or just feel that there's nothing that Augusta has to offer. We want people to come back home, and we want those homes to stay. So, I think that's just been part of the McIntyre family and, and their desires for the Augusta community.
1: Want to follow up? You you mentioned, uh, in terms of uh, being the Solicitor General, what have you learned about public office while working in that capacity? And if elected, which points of reference do you plan to draw upon? Okay, so what did I learn from... Just just being being a solicitor general, that's been the last four years?
6: Yes, it has. This is, this is the fourth year. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, the second part of the question?
1: said, What did I learn? Right, and if elected um, as state court judge, which points of reference do you plan to draw upon in, in that new capacity? Okay, um, and,
6: I, and, and that's a good question, too. The, the interesting thing is that I worked as an assistant solicitor. Okay. to becoming solicitor. I think, I think you know that. But you are in the office from a very different, you're running the office from a very different perspective. As an assistant solicitor, you know, you have your case loads. You come in, you go, and you handle your cases, and you leave, and you're done for the day. As a solicitor general, you are running that office, and that office is your responsibility, individually and collectively, you know, each person in there. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very different. Um The thing about it is that you learn more about how state court works, as opposed to this is my case, this is, you know, I handle this case and I keep going. But you learn it from the beginning to the end, and all of the intricacies in between. Um, The things that you would like to tweak, the things that you have more control over, and then others that you really don't necessarily have control over. And so, all of these lessons I take with me as a state court judge because sometimes there are just simply things that, you know, not only the prosecution, but the defense and those that are being served by the court that they need from the court. So when you know it from the other side, it helps when you move forward, you know, to be able to serve from a different perspective. You already know how the court works what the community needs, those types of cases that are coming through, what would help to move them faster. Because the solicitor's office, you know, you get the cases ready to move, basically. And you set whatever the court says to set. You can tell the court what you need. And I'll give you an example. Um, I think maybe in the early part of last year, in 2015, there was an article about cases pending in in state court. and it It was really kind of interesting and ask him about judicial case assignment, which I've mentioned um, as a part of my platform, saying, you know, maybe we can transition to that. And I got a call, and they're like, well, we need to know, you know, where these well, where these cases were. first of all, the cases were not counted correctly. I think they may have gone to the clerk's office, and, and that's a whole other long story there. But anyway, long story short, that helped, and that was a motivating factor. For the court for the judge to say well what do you as a solicitor need from us so it was like well we need more of this court date we need more court time to handle these types of cases we need more court time for more and and as time has progressed Everything has kind of gotten into a good groove in that they have given us and provided us more time in court to try to move some of the cases that we had, sitting and waiting just simply to go. They've also changed some of the process that they do in court on a daily basis. And the example that I give you to that, during jury trial calendars, and, and I know that this all is a lot of legal reasons, sure. but oftentimes we would have private attorneys to come in, their clients are right there, and they say, well, Judge, we want to be Senate later. Well, you know, your client is right here. Why would we put this off to be sentenced later if your person is right here? Well, they had been doing that for so long and just letting it pass that the cases piled up waiting to be sentenced. Because then when you will put them on what's called a sentencing calendar, then you get, well, I can't make it to court or the, you know, it just kind of snowballed. Well, the judges cut that out. They said, nope, we're not going to do that because that causes the cases to pile up. So, working as a solicitor, you kind of learn what, what's needed from this perspective. Taking it in as a judge, you already know.
1: Does that answer the question? It, it absolutely does. I want to just ask you this just quickly for the, you know, the, the layman. What kind of layman's terms does a solicitor general do? Um,
6: the solicitor is a prosecutor. In the solicitor's office is a prosecutor's office. We prosecute misdemeanors. And that's those cases that can result in up to 12 months incarceration, but not necessarily will, but up to 12 months incarceration and or a $1,000 fine. And so that could include DUI, domestic violence cases, uh, thefts up to a certain amount, um, traffic offenses. You know, those those are the types of cases that come through um, come through the solicitor's office, vehicular homicide in the second degree. It, it's those that, when I say vehicular homicides, those are the ones that result from strictly an accident. You know, nothing else involved, no alcohol, no drugs, but just an accident. You run a red light and someone is killed as a result, that, that would come to the solicitor's office.
1: Okay. that's a. I, I tell you, that's a, a great perspective. I'm sure the, the listening audience will enjoy that. In, ter- in, um, in turn, I want to ask you and kind of get some perspective on what are the roles and responsibilities of a state court judge?
6: And I, and I tell everyone that we're all in the same courtroom. The solicitor is a state court solicitor, state court judge, state court judge. So you're basically presiding over the same cases that the solicitor's office is presenting. So it's misdemeanors that you handle. You're gonna handle, um, just as I just listed DUIs, you know, theft, those are the traffic offenses, those are the very same cases that the uh, state court judge presides over. Um, there are some civil cases that they hear they don't have. They, they may hear them. You know, we may there may be a civil calendar that's set four to maybe five times a year. Is that? But what the civil calendar does, and it's it's those civil cases where there might be a lawsuit of some sort that the superior court does not handle, then then state court will handle them. But oftentimes what what that does, you know, the cases may not even get to the trial phase, Ken, but just simply having them on a calendar will make a move. It will make something happen in the case, whether it's a negotiated, you know, settlement or something of that sort. So they handle some civil cases not, you know, not that often, but Stakeware also does civil cases. Okay.
1: I want to ask you, it's one of the things where when you, um, when you make the decision, to run for state court judge and a lot of people say well man she's already the solicitor general and you know it's, it's a huge political risk what's your response to, to to that perspective of it to that perspective of it to that side of it for people to act to you know kind of imply that this is you know uh, a huge political risk for her to you know tr- try to take this next step
6: um, I, I, I've heard it just probably a, a whole lot more often than you've heard it <laughs> 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 um, you know but this is my desire to serve my community, mm. just simply from a different perspective. I'm already in a service position, um, but this is a public servant position, but this is also the, the opportunity to do it. Um, there was a judge in that seat before, right. and you know, when you decide to run against a sitting judge on incumbent period, it, it, that in and of itself is a task. So, when the seat was vacated, which doesn't happen very often with judges, I think you kind of can see that in the community here. Sure. That does not happen. When the seat was vacated, you know, this was a good opportunity for me to move forward and, and you know, to be able to serve my com- community from a different perspective and in that capacity as a judge. So, it's, it's, um, everybody's like it's been a political risk why don't you, I've had a lot of different suggestions, why don't you wait and you know a lot of different things suggested but you know my question is always if not now when Mm. you know and who's to say that things will be different and that it's not going to be it's always whenever you run a race can there is a political risk period so who's to say that the risk would have been any different two, four, six you know eight years from now, um, but this is when I've made the decision to do so, and its it has not come without a lot of prayer and consideration, believe me. This was not something that was entered into haphazardly.
1: To- totally understandable and, and commendable, and I would say arguably the the most exciting race that we have coming up in May, just you know, with, with the name recognition alone, so this is one that we are, are all definitely uh, looking forward to. I also want to ask you about the, just in terms of you know the candidacy for um, state court judge, because across the country there have been a lot of uh, a lot of calls for more diversity in the judicial circuit. Um, if elected, what type of significance do you think there will be in terms of being an African American woman serving as a state court judge? In terms of
6: diversity, right? Well, you know, um, we don't have we don't have an African American judge serving. in in Richmond County yet but I think that in years to come you're going to just find a lot of different changes in just the political landscape here in Augusta. Um, I I use Atlanta oftentimes as an example because I feel like Augusta is really just a smaller version of Atlanta and we're going to see that growth happen and just many changes happen in Augusta so um, I think that it, it wonderful if the bench can be representative of the community. And that means everybody, male, female, black, white, it needs to be representative of everyone. Um, so, you know, we're hoping, and I am certainly hoping and praying for, for, for that change, you know. So, it, 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 there is a need for diversity, um, just simply to be inclusive of all that are represented, because everybody in the community comes before a judge. Every race, you know, every gender, every ethnicity, every sexual orientation. And you have to have someone, you know, they, I think it's important that everybody is represented. Um, even to just give, just, you know, that there there needs to be fairness on the bench. And so if there is no diversity on the bench, you know, there is a question about it. People will kind of wonder. So I think it's, it's good to have, we do have a female on the bench. We do not have a black female on the bench
1: country uh you um you were saying that you anticipate there are going to be some some changes on the bench do you think it's a an issue of it kind of being a sign of the times or do you think it's more of an issue of demographics
6: um i think it's both i think it's both and the reason why i say that is that you know you look at the demographics of augusta and that that that's one thing um the other is even just in terms of judicial benches across the just across the United States, across the state, across locally, you're finding that there are more women that are entering into the profession of law. And so as time progresses, you're going to find just as many, if not more women in this area, in this field. So you will see changes.
1: Very very good synopsis. Uh, As I mentioned, really looking forward uh, to, to May 24th. Uh, we're here talking with uh, Kelly Kenner McIntyre. So glad to uh, glad to speak with you today, Miss Kelly. Good to
6: talk to you, Ken. Thank you so much.
1: Very welcome. State court judge candidate Bo Hunter. Good afternoon, everyone. We're here with state uh, court judge candidate Bo Hunter. Uh, Mr. Hunter, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How about you? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to have you. Uh, before we get started, just going to ask you a couple things about yourself. Um, In terms of your experience um, in uh, in practicing law, I understand that you have
5: uh, practiced for over 30 years and just want to get some perspective on that. Well thank you. Um, Yeah, I've been uh, an attorney in this area uh, since 1982. I have done a lot of cases, obviously I've represented thousands of people. I was also the solicitor of state court for eight years. Uh, When I became solicitor, there was a big backlog of cases. There were 5,000 cases pending um, because my predecessor decided to run for district attorney and basically uh, didn't pay a lot of attention to the office he was currently holding. And so when I got in there, there was about 5,000 cases. Um, I got that down to about 250 cases in about 18 months. Part of that is I am the one which they still use today, uh, develop color-coded files. And if you look in my office out there, um, I use color-coded files in my office. Um, each of those colors represent an attorney and his team. So that... If you went throughout the office, you could tell they didn't have to look through all of the files. They could look at for their color files in, let's say, a basket that had been in court or something. That system that ran well, Cheryl Jolly became my chief assistant, and then she became the solicitor before she became a judge, and then Harold was her chief assistant. Harold Jones. Harold Jones was, and those, that system continued to work and it, I think it's kind of fallen off the rails where now you look in any of the assistance baskets and they had, it looks like a rainbow of files <laughs> um, that they're handling. And I think that kind of leads to some confusion and less lack of accountability to those, those um, attorneys. But a lot of that system I developed and I think some of it's gotten kind of off the rails over time. Um, also, though I was always in private practice, I have handled an appeal to um, one of the most one of my more famous cases was I took on the tobacco companies uh, for Joe Camel. I don't know if you remember that litigation. Oh, yeah. I was the one who represented Dr. Fisher and the children who had participated in that study and the tobacco companies wanted the children's names, which we felt was for the purpose of harassment or or intimidation. Um, Paul took that information, the Wall Street Journal came down and interviewed he and I, and we had an article in the Wall Street Journal. Um, He got a cartoon in Doonesbury from that case, and ended up testifying in most of the tobacco litigation across the country. Um, against the tobacco companies, which led to some of the large verdicts that they got um, to help states fund anti-smoking campaigns. Uh, I've taken numerous cases. I've been to the Supreme Court of the United States, been to the Supreme Court of Georgia several times. Um, Recently, I represented Harry James against a, a... it's called org, and they're basically an organization who believes not just in gun rights, but kind of the extreme of gun rights. And I don't know if you saw where the man took the gun, M-16, into the Atlanta airport. I, I did see that. Okay, that was him. Yeah. He believes that all children should be able to take guns to school. Yeah. Uh, he was l- trying to get some attorney's fees on a case and in, against Harry James from the county, and we won at trial level, took it to Supreme Court, and recently we affirmed that case. So the I've, Georgia Supreme Court? or Georgia Supreme Court. Court. Yeah, the Georgia Supreme Court. But then also, I mean, I've represented poor people, rich people. I've had a variety of clients. Uh, I was given, uh, recognized as a pro bono attorney a couple of years ago by the bar, for doing a lot of, of people who needed an attorney and couldn't afford one. So that, that's what, that's the kind of experience that I've had.
1: That's a, that's very impressive and a very, I would just say a a wide-ranging, the word I would use is legacy, particularly when you talk about, you know, decades of service to, as you mentioned, you know, high profile cases, but cases that, you know, many people may never have heard of, certainly, you know, um, representing those who in some cases, you know, can't afford, um, afford legal representation. Certainly, uh, very commendable. I want to um, ask you in terms of, and kind of get your, your definition of what does it mean to be a state court judge, what does it mean to hold that office in your mind?
5: Okay. The state court judge has basically two areas. Um, One is the criminal area, which you handle misdemeanors and traffic citations and those type of cases. And I used to tell attorneys when I I was hiring them as a solicitor, I said, this is a great experience for you, Mm -hmm. as a growing experience, because you're dealing with all kinds of people that are coming through this court, because you're not dealing with murder, armed robbery, Mm Um, you're either shoplifting or a simple battery or um, tr- criminal trespass or those type of offenses. So therefore you have to develop kind of a more, a, a more sophisticated view of life because some of these people are coming in here and they have made a simple mistake or they have, um, are headed down the wrong path and you have to start judging people, kind of figuring out where they are in their life and what can you do to not just handle this offense, but can you stop them in their tracks from going the wrong way or is it something that you can say, you know, this was something that we don't think this will ever happen again. And the best example I can give you of this is, one day I was in court and we were taking pleas and I looked over and there was this lady sitting in the front row and tears were running down her face. And I went over and I said, and in state court, generally, you, the attorney's cases are handled first, and those tend to be more serious offenses. And I, we had, the judge had probably sent us some people to jail that morning. And, and so I went over and I said, ma'am, can I help you? And she's like, yeah, I'm in court, I've never been here before, I have a traffic offense and I don't want to go to jail. And I said, well, let me see what you got. And I looked at it and it was something, it was probably a speeding ticket or a stop sign. And I said, ma'am, I said, do you have $74 or whatever with you today, she's like, "Yes, I do." I said, "Well, I tell you what. If you'll get up and come with me, I'll take you over here to this clerk's office and let you pay that fine, and you can go home." And she goes, "Oh, I'm not going to jail." <laughs> I'm like, "No, ma'am. This, you know." But she'd never been in front, have ever been in a courtroom in her life. Wow. And you know, so you've got to. To and that's a very. It's easy to say, I think we need to put every murderer in jail. But it's, you know, do we need to put every speeder in jail? Do we need to put every shoplifter in jail? Those that, That's a much more sophisticated kind of question and answer that you have to come to. And that's why I think life experiences and legal experiences kind of, teach you some of that sophistication to make those decisions, and not every decision's right, but it leads you to more often than not making the right decision. And the second part is is unlimited um, civil limits in lawsuits in state court. I tried a case last year in state court where I got a $600,000 verdict. So you're talking big money. Um, those, there's, you have to handle civil cases because there's a lot of rules and rules of evidence. There's rules of procedure that that you have to follow in order that the fair, the trial is fair. Um, and it's not appealed up to Supreme Court in reverse and sent back, which costs us, the taxpayers, a lot of money. So you need some, a lot of civil litigation as, as well. there's medical malpractice cases going on down there. Just a lot of different lawsuits that are going on. So I think that you need the civil litigation um, experience as well uh, in order to be a good judge. I tell people, close your eyes and think of what a judge should be. And you want somebody who has some experience. You know, and some not only life experiences, but has some experience in law, and that's why I think it's very important.
1: That <laughs> I'm 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 really impressed because what I'm hearing, and you say you said sophistication, but I'm also hearing a lot in terms of discernment oh. and community service, right? And those are those are obviously two you know very important uh, points of reference to have. You know, we're talking about holding public office. I want to ask you. About the candidates, and you know, really, and just for me personally, this is my first time. You know, you know, I'm Monique Walker. Oh, Walker now Kelly marries mm-hmm. Oh, the are now And then, and not to say that your reputation doesn't precede you, certainly. You know, thirty years um, in private, uh, or not, not only private practice, but really just, I would say, in community service in right. terms of practicing law. But really, just for me, this being the first time hearing of you and kind of having that being a kind of kind of a, a theme. Um, talk about being a a candidate, um, and throwing your hat in the the ring in the, um, kind of in the presence of these two, um, relatively, you know, almost, I mean, in terms of name recognition, very familiar surnoms and the challenges of, of that, if you, if you see any.
5: Yeah, I think it's very, um, it's very daunting to have people, um, with well-known last names. Mm -hmm. But I think when you say Bo Hunter, there's a many people who know me and my reputation. And it's my reputation. It's not a family reputation. It's something that I've worked on to be re- known as a fair person. And that's what I'm depending on people who know me to talk to other people and say he is someone that we can trust to be a judge.
1: Well, um, if you could just take us through your platform, uh, if elected, what are some some points of reference I know you mentioned, um, and I've had a chance to look at some of your brochure information. Right. Private probation is certainly a huge point of reference, I think, among all the candidates, but just want to get your perspective on that, as well as other points of your platform.
5: Okay. I was the first one, and I had been calling for years to abolish. Sentinel. Uh, that's because I've had a lot of clients um, caught up in that system. One of the uh, litigants in Jack Long's class action suit was a client of mine who had completed all of the terms of his probation because I helped him and worked him, walked him through to make sure that everything was completed. And they issued a arrest warrant. I'm not sure probably because he hadn't been paying his fees. Any time that you've got a company that is more interested in making money for themselves than serving the community is a problem. And it's been on and on and on. I'm not sure that... and I had developed my platform before the state court judges had decided to transition, I guess you will, sure. from Sentinel to a county probation system. I think there's a lot of ways to set it up. I have my own ideas on how it should be set up that I don't necessarily agree with some of the problems with the way they want to do theirs ideas. I think you can look at the federal system yeah. and the way they handle their probation systems. Um... I think that they're more than Athens which is as far as I can tell is the only system that they've come to look at. Um I think you need it's a system and you need to look at the system and to make sure it will work and serve our needs in this community. There are a lot of people who are indigent. Yeah. There are pe and how are we gonna deal with that situation? Um I don't think that as a taxpayer, I don't want to see people, us, the citizens, paying for people to be in jail for for amounts of money or things that is costing us more money than it would have cost them in the first place yeah. um, to put them there. Sure. Because their speeding ticket was $85, and they didn't do that. Uh, the second point is the traffic bureau. That was a system that the um, that was set up about three years ago I believe. I don't know exactly when. Um, It is not working well. People's Fines are getting not processed in a timely manner, so it's not going on their driver's record much later than after they've paid the fine. There are a lot of people who come down there and either want to just say that the police officer was nasty to me or this, there was a problem in the case, and the only way they can do that is ask for a jury trial instead of having someone that they can talk to and I think that system needs to be streamlined and changed and the third thing is that there's a large number of cases that is a backlog in the system now in state court
1: I want to go back to
5: uh,
1: the conversation in terms of Sentinel made a lot of um, a lot of profound points there. I, I want to talk about, because this is something now that, you know, it, it really has national ramifications, you know, when you talk about, uh, private probation and, you know, you talked about, you know, individuals, uh, and having firsthand experience, um, with individuals, uh, who, you know, may not be able to pay a $85 speeding ticket, right? You know, different things like that. Um, is this, uh, is it something to where you, you, and one of the, the points you made as well is, you know, having a system that really fits our needs as a community, um, is that to say that we need to bring uh, this, this system, of uh, this, this level of, of jurisdiction in-house or, I mean, what, what, what would be your recommendation in terms of abolishing Sentinel to do and what would be your, your recourse?
5: I think that, and when I was the solicitor, there was a county probation system okay. in place. And the state decided not to fund it any further so instead of us our county getting together they went and drew up a contract with Sentinel and contracted it out they had an option then and it has proved to be a very poor system and if you go into I believe that there have been millions of dollars in profit that's been taken out of our community and sent to their corporate headquarters which is in California so that is like money being drained out of our community and going to California anyway Mm -hmm. so it makes us a poor county Um, it's kind of like we're an indentured servant for this company in California and I believe that we can charge some fees when it's appropriate and fund that office in our county. So it isn't gonna necessarily cost taxpayers, but will be, it can be lower fees or, or in cases where fees can be waived because it's a county operation rather than a for-profit company. Also, I think that because you can hire better qualified people, when, you're told, when your only motive is to make a profit yeah. because you can hire, pay better wages for people and seek more qualified people if you aren't trying to take that million dollars out <laughs> and send it home. Correct. I'm Augusta
7: Mayor Hardy Davis. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon.
3: Hello, I am William Bill Fenoy. Your District 1 Commissioner, and I need your vote for re election on Tuesday, May 24th. Since I moved to Augusta in 1966, I have committed myself to serving the greater community and giving a voice to the voiceless. My campaign and actions as a Commissioner have reflected that. The City of Augusta, and specifically District 1, has suffered through flooding for many years. Finally, through my leadership and the leadership of my colleagues on the Commission, we have addressed rapid flooding throughout our community. More than $21 million have been spent in infrastructure in District 1 over the past three years. This is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of present and future allocation. The city has almost $80 million in projects under design for District 1. More than $110 million in tier projects will be spent improving downtown Augusta over the next 10 years. I believe this area to be one of the most popular and flourishing areas in the whole city. There's a lot of growth and planning that can go into making this area one of the best in the state of Georgia. In order to continue that work, I need your vote. I encourage you to take advantage of early voting, but if not, please make sure that you get out to vote on Tuesday, May 24th, for me, William Bill Fenoy, your District 1 Commissioner. Paid for by the committee to reelect William Bill Fenoy.
0: I'm John
7: Flythe, candidate for Superior Court Judge. As an assistant district attorney, as a lawyer in private practice, and as a state court judge, I've earned unmatched experience handling civil and criminal matters in the Augusta Judicial Circuit. I'm tough on crime, I'm firm but fair, and I will do what's right for this community. Together, we can keep our streets safe, our families strong, and our future bright. May 24th is an important election, and I would be honored to have your vote. I'm John Flythe, and I approve this message.
6: Paid for by John Flythe for Superior Court. Have you gotten a letter from the IRS about an audit, levy, or tax lien? Worried because you haven't filed taxes in several years? Well, stop worrying and call the tax pros at TaxWise Financial on Tobacco Road. TaxWise Financial is licensed to represent you at all levels of the IRS in any state, from the simple to the complex. Professional and affordable representation by TaxWise Financial will help resolve all of your tax issues. Call them at 706-305-1412. TaxWise Financial, the wise choice for all your tax
0: I am Andrew Jefferson, a candidate for District 5 commissioner, and I need your vote on Tuesday, May 24th. My priorities for District 5 are as follows. Economic growth, opportunities for high-wage jobs, safe neighborhoods, and empowering small businesses. I have over 30 years of experience in education, and have worked in the political arena previously as a former Board of Education trustee. I have a vision for South Augusta. I want to see South Richmond County return to the forefront. We can do that through community involvement and by bringing major corporations to Augusta. I have a wide range of experiences, including my work as an instructor and department chair at Augusta Technical College various administrative and political jobs with the Richmond County school system. And even as a small business owner, I know that I am the best candidate, but I need your vote District Five. I encourage you to take advantage of early voting, but if not, please make sure to get out to vote on Tuesday, May 24th for me, Andrew Jefferson, the candidate for District Five Commission paid for by the committee to elect Andrew Jefferson.
7: Hello, I'm Representative Henry Wayne Howard, and I'm honored to serve the citizens of House District 124. We have come through some of the toughest economic times in recent history. The good news is that we are rebounding. Look at some of the growth that's going on around you. State highways, infrastructure is being done all over town. Augusta University is thriving. We have entertainment coming at an all-time high. But there's much, much more to be done. Too many of our kids are falling into the school-to-prison pipeline. We must put a seal on the education pipeline. That is why we were able to get the PBIS initiative up to $1 million now when we sponsored a bill called Too Young to Suspend. I will continue to work hard to bring more dollars for infrastructure that will lead to more industry, more opportunities for small businesses and more jobs. Allow me to continue to serve to move this city forward. Vote for Henry Wayne Howard, House District 124. Paid for by the committee to elect Wayne Howard, state representative.
1: Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here. Uh, With the incumbent uh, from House District 124, man, I've known, uh, I mean, practically since I've I've been working in journalism, uh, really a a, a champion um, of, of this community. Glad to have on the show with us today, State Representative Wayne Howard. How you doing today, my friend? Thank you. I great, greatly appreciate it. We want to talk about uh, this particular race, of course. Uh, May 24th is the big day. Um, what what kind of thoughts are, are going through your mind as the incumbent, as this day approaches? Well,
7: it's a refreshing, uh, sort of refreshing. The, you know, we get an opportunity to do, when we go through things like this, elections where we have and it gives us this opportunity to get out and talk to people that you hadn't talked to in a long time. Get a chance to see people that you haven't seen in a while. You meet new people, uh, and when those folks are embracing you and you know telling you that they appreciate the work that you've done, and uh, that means a lot, you know, to get out here and hear that. And then you also have that opportunity to gather up. You know, new information and new concerns and things that people are uh, have on their mind, and yeah, it, it's a, a great way to prepare for the future years and going forward and knowing what people would like to see happen. You know, within the district or across the state.
1: What type of, of those concerns are are you hearing from your constituency in terms of things that they want to see or things you know they, uh, things right. that yeah, go ahead.
7: Well, one thing for sure, when you're out campaigning or even when you're just doing your day-to-day work, you know, what I've found that people don't always associate what you do officially as a state legislator to what you are capable of doing alone. And what I mean by that is one of the biggest concerns when I walk the dice Park area and that Lena Walker Bethlehem area. One of the biggest concerns is they want a grocery store down in that area, and that's not just a state legislator's uh, job or responsibility, that's a uh, city official uh, position where all of us as partners need to work together to make sure that we, you know, push toward getting.
1: very important point and i think this is something that you um and the legislative delegation have really worked toward in the past few years is making sure that you all have a good working relationship not only with the augusta commission but also with the uh, richmond county school board talk about that dynamic It's a very, very insightful, and I mean, just uh, spot-on points in terms of education. It's, you know, it, it you know, it's obviously uh, the time of the year where we talk a lot about platforms and campaigning, and, and different things like that. Your constituency knows you very well, but you know, I'm sure from time to time you may come across individuals, you know, who don't know of you or, or may not be familiar with the political process. Um, if you could share with them, you know, if uh, if if uh, they decide to vote for you or reelect you, what type of uh, of individual would they be getting uh, to represent them in 124?
7: Well, first they'll be getting someone that they can trust and will always be forthcoming with the public in what you've uh, honored me to do. The community, I think that those that do know me know, and I was thinking about this just the other day. You know, we've been in the furniture business over there, how it's supposed to be for over 60 years. Yeah. You know, we have customers that <clears throat> will literally call us and say, I'm gonna leave my door open. I'll leave the, leave the house unlocked, so you can go in and get my furniture. You know, that's the type of trust that people have entrusted uh, in us, you know, as a family, as a, uh, a community and in the business that we've built. And that same trust it goes on and what has really solidified what we do as public servants, what I'm doing individually as a public servant. You know, folk have to have a level of trust that you're going to do what's right for people. And that's one thing that I can assure them that they will always have in me.
1: That's great. You, you um, alluded to something else that I wanted to ask you about. You, you, um, how much of, of your family's legacy and how much of the Howard surname um, factors into what you're able to do, not only as um, a public servant, as a you know representative of 124, but just in all of your endeavors and, and your family's endeavors throughout the Augusta community?
7: You know, I mean, that's a, a good question, but it's a hard question because I'm too close to what we do. And, you know, I hear people talking about, you know, the work that my dad did, and and you know, we, we when you're so close to doing to a person or to what you do, hmm. you don't think about what you do; you just do it. And you do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because you're doing it from the heart. You're doing, it, you, know, so, you know, we can't do everything. We would, you know, and I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression. You know, we we don't wave any kind of magic wand. We just do what we believe is right. In this, the title of God first, but what people, uh, what's right for people. But that's really hard for me to answer uh, because I don't think about what I do like that uh, as I go through it. People can walk up to me now and say, You remember you did this or you did that, and I have literally forgotten that I did it <laughs> because I'm not keeping score.
8: Right.
7: I'm just. If it's, if it's right in my heart that
1: I need to do something, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter who you are. That's 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 in, in, incredible. Um, that's that's so refreshing and, and authentic to you know to have someone uh, who who is representative of, of such a large number of people to have that attitude and really to have that humility. I just want to encourage everybody uh, listening uh, to making a difference to vote. Uh, vote early. If you don't vote early please make sure you vote on Tuesday May 24th. Uh, House District 124 will be one of those races uh, up for grabs and we're glad to have uh, with us the uh, incumbent uh, the current state representative uh, of House District 124. Glad to have you on the show today with us Representative Howard. Well thank you Ken and I appreciate you having me on and I look forward to
7: continuing to work for the people that have studied throughout the state and doing the work that uh, I'm I truly believe I've been called to do. Uh, it's just, uh, it's humbling to be in this position, and I look forward to continuing.
1: House District 124 candidate Gregory Hill. Welcome to Make It a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here with a candidate for House District 124, really a dynamic young man. I'm out here. Uh, he's actually out here canvassing. campus, and I wish y'all could see him, man. He uh, really has a grasp on uh, what it takes
8: to really reach the voters. I'm here with uh, my brother, Gregory Hill. How you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well, doing well, and thank you for coming out. And I ought to get you to come and <laughs> knock on some doors with me, that might, be getting, that might get me in some trouble, man. But, no, I, I, I appreciate the uh, the sentiment.
1: I want to ask you, I had a chance to, to talk with you here, and, you know, you, you talked about this particular race and your particular campaign about how it's personal, but it's not for personal gain. I thought that was really profound, man. I think that people can identify with that. But kind of explain
8: that well, the ideology further. Well, it, it, what I want people to understand is that I'm a native Augustine. And when I left here and I graduated from Lane in 1989 and I grew up in the inner city And so when I left here in 1989 I had more going on within my neighborhood than I do now Ugh. so over the last 20 plus years the inner city particularly and that's in my district has continued to
0: go backwards
8: so and it's personal for me because you know you see when I travel throughout the world and I was in the military I see how cities that are smaller than Augusta have a greater economic for our citizens than the, the place where I grew up does, so that's why I'm out here. You know, that's why I'm out here I'm running and, and running. Not only for me, and I tell people, not running for office, I'm running for you. And this is, this is, you know, this is my home. And this is my home, and I want to do what I can for my home. So that's
1: why I'm running. So you, you, grew up, grew up in the Augusta area. You went off in the military. Kind of briefly take us through some of your military experience and some of your uh, professional experience.
8: Well, military. Like I said, I did 25 years of military service great great opportunity uh, was able to lead some great uh, lead America's young men and women um, into combat and brought them back home uh, served 25 years uh, started off in the reserves 82nd Airborne 7 Special Forces Groups don't ask me why I would jump out of a perfectly good airplane <laughs> but mentally and physically that has prepared me to deal with a lot so I have a political science degree I have an MBA, MBA degree but I'm also certified in economic development. And I want to use that certification in economic development and that kind of ties into my platform and what I want to be able to do for my city and my home and actually for the citizens of the state of Georgia. Let's talk about that platform. Take us through it. Well, the platform, I have a four point plan platform that I speak on economic development. And that is a four point plan to where I want to focus on tourism development, housing and community development, Small business and entrepreneurship, and then I have an economic development initiative that I want to get passed in the state house that would benefit any city that has a military installation that would like to bring companies to that area, that will bring jobs, and we offer some forms of credits to that company for for, for choosing to locate within the state of Georgia.
1: That ma- that makes a lot of sense, and and uh, it, I mean, it it, it not only stimulates. You know the your, your military base or your military
8: installation. It really stimulates the entire community. It it, it stimulates the entire community, particularly for for South Augusta, an area that has um, we say we want South Augusta to grow. But this is something that will be a staple, and it can be an, an, an economic engine for South Augusta, particularly for that corridor from Gate Five on Tobacco Road all the way out to Bushfield. So we want to use that as a springboard to push down Deansbridge Road. And on out to um, uh, tobacco road to spur some growth economically. so that's why I'm out here.
1: You are running against an, uh, an incumbent, so I want to ask you what type of rapper what, what type
8: of conversation are you having with the uh, with, uh, the voters? Uh, it's, it's been very, very positive. It's been you know it, I hate to use the word amazing, but it's been very positive. Uh, the voters have welcomed me. They like what I'm saying. They like the four point plan. They are more so very, very interested in when I talk about small business opportunities for native Augustans and how I want to use this as a model for inner cities throughout the state of Georgia. So they really like that. They really like the fact when I talk small business and entrepreneurship, is bringing all of the resources within my power to the city of Augusta for our citizens so that they can start their own businesses, so that they can hire locally, and so we can use that as a as a catalyst to rebuild our inner cities, and hopefully from that we can use the rebuilding of our inner cities to regrow to 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 better our our, our educational system.
1: That's good. What do you want the voters to know about Gregory
8: Hill? I want the voters to know that Gregory Hill uh, will fight for you. Gregory Hill has the leadership skills to work across the aisle in Atlanta for you to make sure that I get the job done. Gregory Hill, is, he has the love for his city. He has the, the compassion. He's a native Augustan. Even though he traveled the world, he never forgot about Augusta. And that's why he's here to work hard for you and to fight for you in Atlanta and be a man of good leadership and exemplary character for you. That's good. Here uh, with a, a candidate for district, House District
1: 124, uh, Mr. Gregory Hill. So glad to have you on the show today, brother. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. And let's do this
2: again. Yes, sir. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hello. My name is Denise Trana, and I'm asking for your vote this coming May 24th when I'm competing for the post of Richmond County Commissioner in District 1. I'm a resident of over 25 years, and I live in the Harrisburg neighborhood. I truly believe that Augusta is at her tipping point to demonstrate what a vibrant city really looks like. We have the potential to move Augusta forward in the areas of employment, community development, housing, and transportation especially. And it is vital that these discussions, deliberations, and implementations by the decision makers includes you. Issues such as abandoned properties, flood events, Ethics, no one's talking about ethics, and transparency and fairness in awarding bids have all been on the minds of local Augustans. Our leaders must be accessible and willing to articulate the status of local government decision-making to their constituents. Please visit denise.trina.us. Remember, question authority. You deserve to know more about how your city spends your tax dollars. On May 24th, vote Denise Trina. Commissioner,
3: District 1. Excellence, integrity, and service. They're just a few of the core values for Payne College. Its commitment to educational merit has been faithful for over 133 years. I'm Danny Glover, and my mom and aunts went to Payne College, so its value is priceless to me. The lessons and love they received from Payne helped me to grow up and understand the power of education. That's why I'm here to support Payne College and to encourage you to do the same. Let the legacy continue. The future of their existence is important to your community. Give your support to something significant. Give your support to Payne College.
4: I'm Ernest Thomas Jr. and I am a candidate for the Clerk of Court. I've served the Richmond County government for nearly 30 years, working my way up the ladder. I started out as a cleanup guard and now I serve as Chief Investigator for the Richmond County State Court Solicitor General's Office. I want to take the same attitude I have employed over my three decades of service and apply that to the office of the Clerk of Court. If elected, I will be committed to customer service, technological advances, and community involvement. I want to improve communication between employees and the public, as well as communication between government entities. I am more than qualified to do the job. All I need is your vote, Augusta Richmond County. I would implore you to vote early, but please make sure you vote on Tuesday, May 24th for me, Ernest Thomas Jr., the candidate for the Clerk of Court, paid for by the committee to elect Ernest Thomas Jr. Clerk of Court.
1: I'm Ronnie Battle,
2: and I approve this message.
6: Ronnie Battle, commissioner candidate for Super District 9, will bring the Augusta Commission a critical skill set learned while serving in the U.S. Air Force for over 24 years. His value of dedication, teamwork, and integrity will serve the citizens of Augusta well. There will be no bickering or gridlock, and he will be responsible with taxpayers' money. His demonstrated leadership is very deserving of your vote, May 24.
8: I'm not looking for any personal gain. I simply want to do what is in the best interest of all the citizens of Augusta, County, let
9: me serve you. Hello, Augusta. This is Ernest Smith, your Georgia State House representative for District 125. I am seeking your vote on May 24th so that District 125 can continue to receive the tangible results with me as your public servant. Let's look. As a former aviation commissioner, we built the first ever air passenger terminal at Augusta Regional Airport the first ever STEM technical high school in Augusta. Under dual enrollment program, kids can graduate with a degree and also an associates from Augusta Tech. At Augusta Tech, we have the best welders program in the United States, the first cyber technology certification program in the South, the best nuclear reactor operator certification program, period. First ever cooperative education program between EasyGo and the Richmond County School System, using the old Procter & Gamble plant as a hub. Much needed road work and highway expansion on both Highway 56 and Windsor Spring Road. Christ Community Health Center on Green Street, serving underinsured and low-income souls where your spirits are lifted along with top-notch medical care. Heritage Academy on Green Street, where our children receive a first-rate Christian education, all in District 125. So District 125, we don't need a new voice. Let's continue with the now voice. Vote for Ernie Smith to continue as your District 125 State Representative. God bless you, Augustus. by prayer.
1: Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here with the incumbent for House District Race 125. Um, just a, a, a really a, a dynamic individual, uh, an innovative individual, a, um, I'll tell you, well-credentialed individual. Uh, he is actually, he's not only a friend of the show, he's a recurring guest on the show. Uh, glad to have with us uh, state representative Ernest Smith. How you doing, my friend?
9: Oh, I'm just wonderful, Ken. I'm wonderful. It's glad to be here. Glad to be of
1: service. So, certainly. I, I want to, And I always like to ask the incumbents this, because when you go out and, you know, you, you essentially spend your time proving yourself to the voters. I mean, mm-hmm. this happens just during your, your tenure, but particularly during campaigning. Is it something that revitalizes you when it comes to campaigning, when it comes to, you know, reaching out to the
9: voters, particularly in this way, in terms of you know, seeking re-election. Well, I know there's an old saying that uh, senior citizens use, it says, so sorry dog don't wag his own tail. Hmm. Well, I'm always wagging Augusta's tail. And just to show you that uh, this was the first year, this past legislative session, the first in over a decade, well over ten years, that Augusta got a bill passed in the Georgia General Assembly, House Bill 825, which is the Protecting Military Children's Act. The sponsor of that bill was yours truly. I sponsored that in the House, got it passed 165 to zero in the House, passed it to our senator, Harold Jones, in the Senate. He got it passed unanimously in the Senate. So that's the first time in over a decade that Augusta legislators got a bill passed in the Georgia General Assembly that creates a direct conduit with us and the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense called me and told me that was the best bill they've seen in over a decade and they would like to use that as a template across the country to create a relationship with Department of Defense and families that are moving into military towns. See the big piece of that, uh, Ken, is that Fort Gordon is not building any more family housing on posts. All of the families that come to Fort Gordon now will be moving to South Augusta, Augusta, or Columbia County. So this bill is critically important for them because it ensures that there's a communication between Department of Family and Children Services and the military installation, which is Fort Gordon. Secondary to that, we're in District 125, and that is the most vibrant economic district in the region. Hmm. Even Columbia County knows that. We have the first STEM technical high school, one of three in the state of Georgia, right behind Augusta Tech, where you can graduate, and our kids are graduating, with a high school diploma in one hand, and either a an associate degree on the other hand or their first year of college already done. Have the best uh, cyber technology program in the country. I hate to to stop
1: you about the STEM school but I really want people to understand just how important that is when you say a young man or young woman 17, 18 years old not only have their high school diploma but have the chance to have their associates degree. You basically are getting two uh, two and a half years ahead of the game in terms of college. Yes. Uh, That's incredible
9: we well, see what has happened. The game has changed uh, when it comes to employment. And the education is the economic development tool, excuse me, going forward. Uh, corporations and CEOs are calling now. They're not calling looking for four year degree people. They're looking for two year technical certificated folks that can actually do the job right now. And this is where Augusta is way ahead of the power curve. With the STEM Technical High School, with the Cyber Technology uh, Partnership at Augusta Tech, <coughs> with the the best welding program in the country mm. at Augusta Tech. Kids can come out of there two years making 20 to $40 an hour right here in Augusta. I don't care where you live in Augusta. You can live in the poorest part of town. But if you want to go to school, you can go to school and you can get a high-paying job. And a bigger piece of that is this past session in the Georgia General Assembly, we passed additional HOPE Scholarship grants for technical schools. You can get a free ride at a technical school. Mm. All the kids have to do is just go to school, get the grades, and they can get a free ride at a technical school now. First time that's ever been that way. So, Augusta District 125 is really positioned to help this region become the Cyber Center of Excellence and the Silicon Valley of the South. And oh, by the way, we still have not only the best uh, cyber technology program, the best welders program, but we have the best nuclear reactor operators course in the South. And as you know what's happening at Plant Vogel and Savannah Riverside, it's significant that that our region is so vibrant, so vibrant now, and this is all in District 125, aside from all the orange cones you see on the grounds on Highway 56 and Windsor Spring Road, all of this is District 125. So these are great days for Augusta, and especially South Augusta. That's it's, it's very
1: exciting to hear. You know, it's a it's a question that we get all the time. Is you know, what's the vision for South Augusta? What's the the plan moving forward for South Augusta? But to hear some of the things that you're talking about, not only for uh, South Richmond County, but I mean, just for your entire district, it has to be very um, inspiring and has to you know just uh, generate such hope. You know, in in the uh, in the community at large. You you you've talked a lot about some of the things that you're doing, but. Uh, I, I want to introduce you because you are campaigning. I want to introduce you to the listening audience, so just kind of tell us about yourself and just how you, you know,
9: ascended up the professional and the political rank. Well, uh, I'm a former uh, nuclear engineering student out at uh, Savannah Riverside when it was DuPont. Uh, we were called cooperative education students back then. Mm-hmm. I'm a South Carolina State alumnus, business management. I have a degree from the Community College of Air Force, uh, aviation business management. I have a bachelor's degree from uh, the whole School of Business, Augusta State, in marketing and finance. Uh, I'm multilingual. I speak two foreign languages, uh, Turkish and Spanish. Fourteen years in the Air Force, I was an aviation air traffic control commander. So anyone that flies, I had their life in my hands. I've always been a policy maker since the age of 27. That's what I did in the Air Force from the age of 27 up until we came here in 1986 made policy. So what we're doing now is something that I've always read of embedded in. Because they saying that God does not call just to qualify. He qualifies them that are called, that understand the impacts of what they're doing and why they're doing it. I understand the critical impacts of uh, the policy making that we're engaged in now. I'll give you an example of that. As you know, uh, we're voting in May. The only person in the Georgia General Assembly in the House of Representatives three years ago that voted against us voting in May was me. The vote was 159 to 1 because we're gonna to have to do this again in November. That's a waste of money. It is. I explained that to many of my contemporaries but they didn't understand it. But they do now. So you have to follow God and let God lead you but more importantly you have to have a, a base of knowledge and understanding to qualify so that you know that the people get it. That they understand, it. well you know this guy he, he really gets it. He, he's current and this is where we are, but if you go to Gus Wheaton Airport, you look on the wall, you see my name, because I helped get that built as one of the team members for the commission. If you come down and you need health care, you come to Christ Community on Green Street. I was on the first board of directors to make sure that Christ Community, which serves under and low-income people, is right there in the heart of our urban community on Green Street. You go one block up, there's Heritage Academy, a Christian elementary school, where 98% of the kids that go there are black and 98% of the kids that go there are on tuition but their parents, 95% of the parents don't have the money to pay the full tuition so we've got partners to work with them to ensure that they have the tuition paid. So we've been doing a lot in the community to ensure that uh, that old saying about you sow good seeds you reap good fruit these are the things that I want people to understand you know I've been working here uh, not seeking to do anything but ensure that Augusta can be the best Augusta that we can be. What do you want um, the constituency to know about State Representative Ernest Smith? I want them to know that uh, not only am I current, but when I tell you something, you can bank it. I won't tell you a lie. I'm not going to bring you problems because leaders don't bring problems. Leaders don't bring you complaints. Leaders find solutions to problems and situations. What I will bring to you, if there's a situation, I will tell you what the situation is, but I will also give you the suggested solution to rectify the situation. I'll give you an example of that, Ken. I'm glad you asked that question. You hear all the talk about the Opportunity School Districts and the vote that's coming up in November. Well, we had a forum the other day, and 98% of my Republican contemporaries said that, well, they were all for the Opportunity School District. And they gave all the explanations of how the schools are not doing that well, and we've got to do something drastic. Now, I agreed with them on one point, we've got to do something drastic, but the drastic that I'm talking about is not to vote for the Opportunity School District, but to put all that money that they're looking to put in there into helping to create an opportunity for our parents, our parents to get up to speed because it's not the kids that's the problem. It's not the school that's the problem. We've got three generations of parents that are undereducated and unprepared to be parents. And that's what the problem is. So I agree that we need to do something, but not Opportunity School District. We don't need that. We need to put that money into some type of domestic initiatives to help our parents to start the process of getting on point, getting educationally sufficient so that they can help the kids and can provide the comfort and the support that the kids need. Because these kids are the, the brightest things you want to find, nicest things you want to find. We don't need the parents beating them up and they come to school a mess. And that's
1: what we got. Mm. I, I, t- I tell you, great points all around. I want to ask you because, and I, what, I, what I see with uh, elected officials who think outside of the box. And I, I want to ask you, you you, ha- you have a, I mean, cr- the word I used to, to start the sh- the uh, the show was credential. Um, talk about your experiences and all of the things that you've been able to do, you know, over I mean, many decades.
9: How those things have prepared you for right now. Well, uh, <clears throat> interesting you to answer that question. Typically, as an aviation commander, especially Air Force, Air Force, Air Traffic Control Aviation Commander, 98% of the time the only face that looked like mine in the room was mine. Which means I understood that not only did I have to be the best, I had to walk on water. But it was a good thing because the, the Lord prepared me. He helped me to understand that, you know, this world is not going to give you anything. Now, I'll put you here, and I want you qualified, and when you step up, you're never alone. you got a legion of angels behind you, but you just do what you need to do. And what I did was ensure that I was educated to the point that I would have to be able to tell generals what they needed to do, why they needed to do it, and how they needed to do it. And you know what? They listened, because they understood that the information I was sharing with them was going to keep them alive. And so even now, you hear the talk about racism. Racism has been around since the time of Jesus. That's not our problem. Our problem is ensure that we put qualified leadership in place that understands that you've got to work for everyone. But being that your face is a different color, you have to double ensure that you are qualified and you're providing a conduit, a pipeline, if you will, for other folk that look like you coming up the ladder so that they can get on board as well. And that's the thing that's been missing. And that's why I've been committed as a servant to ensure that we're creating the pipelines of opportunity for our kids. And that's why I say education, education, education is the economic development tool for the next millennia. And that's how we're going to strengthen our tax base here in Augusta, Georgia. Education, qualified jobs. You hear folk talk about, uh, well, we want tourism. Tourism is seasonal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You get qualified people working, young people and not so young people working. That's 24-7, 365 days a year. That's how you strengthen a tax base. Right. And that's what the focus needs to be. Uh, and that's why I've been working so firmly to ensure that we have these these educational corridors in place. As you know, EasyGo just partnered with our Richmond County School System to create a high-tech incubator at the old Procter Gamble plant. That's, that's a big deal if you guys don't know. Well, I'm working with um, Dr. Pringle to do that same thing with our carpenters' union. They get the carpentry component in place as well, because the union wants to work with the school-aged kids as well. Because everyone is not geared and meant to go to a four-year college. Uh, We have so many folk that are astute, so many young people and not so young, that are just so gifted with their hands. And if you're gifted with your hands, that means you're bright. You're gifted with your brain but you just need to be in the right area. And so we want to make sure that these funding streams and these opportunities are available for them so that we can continue to grow as we are growing. It's it's two things you said that I was really impressed with. Uh, The first thing in
1: terms of, you know, people who work with their hands, and uh, a lot of times it's unfortunate education, you know, uh, for some is essentially, you know, uh, trying to make the fish, you know, climb a tree, and that's not what the fish does. You know, you have to. Education has to be diverse enough to say, okay, we have some students here that, you know, uh, do well in, you know, uh, do well in the jungle, and you have some who do well, you know, in the water. And, and education doesn't do that as much. And I appreciate you uh, making the point And in uh, making uh, educational, ma- making education accessible for those, you know, who are more um, uh, in- industry inclined in mm-hmm. that way. But also uh, the duality of, of racism, because, uh, you know, we would acknowledge that racism is a problem, but it is not, as some would make it, the only problem. And we do have to address, you know, dynamics in terms of economics. And when you talk about economic empowerment, which is a lot of uh, what you're alluding to through um, education, which, uh, uh, as I mentioned, is uh, is, is admirable, admirable on both points. I want to ask you this, and I always I, I like to give the candidates, you know, if uh, for the last, I'll say, two campaigns that you've had, uh, your 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 opponents or you know and, and in your case uh, the Republican regime have really come after you in terms of uh, campaign contributions and, and campaign finances and you've had a chance to uh, to speak to that in a public forum I would ask that you
9: would uh, speak to that again sure um, all of this started in 2012 uh, Gentlemen, uh, Republican jet gent, exquisitely ultra 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 conservative and you know what that's cold speak for <laughs> yeah. well he lost Because uh, the good folk in District 125 understood that he was not the one. Well, uh, as a parting shot at me... Let me say this. about 2-1 margin, Hmm? you you beat him pretty convincingly. Yes. Yes, and so uh, as a parting shot to me, he filed an ethics complaint. Because the the folk that were advising him told him, man, this will give him all kinds of fits for a long time. So 2012, he filed a complaint. You didn't hear anything in 2013, the 2014 election. This pops back up. You didn't hear anything in 2015. December of 2015 leading into 2016. Sorry, every every two years, they go. <laughs> Here we go again. And see, what they did was said, he could be, well, he could be fine, he could be this, he could be that, but could be means, or oh, he might be this, and he might be that. Cold speak means that it's not going to happen. Because what they did was, they called me to Atlanta. The ethics committee called me. They said, well, we, we want to have a hearing. What do I need to bring? Oh, you don't need to bring anything. So, I didn't bring anything. But I get there, I'm broadsided with all of my credits, the deposits I've made over six years. They said, Well, we don't see uh, any of his debits where he spent any of this money. And that looks suspicious. And so, the ethics committee, thank God it was four of them, and they were smart enough to understand that something does not look right. Uh, they said, Representative Smith, um, do you have the uh, debits for all of these? I said, I do. I have every record. And I have a chronological listing of every deposit, every bank statement, everything that has ever been spent. They said, could you bring that to us in April? I said, sure. They said, well, after session, bring that to us. We'll have a hearing. Well, they called two weeks ago, April, and said, Representative Smith, there's no need for us to have a hearing. Uh, We don't need to do this. That means that they've looked at all of my records for the last six years and see that every nickel, is accounted for. There's a receipt for everything. I've been audited for the past six years. They looked at everything. So there's Mm -hmm. nothing out of line. Absolutely nothing out of line. And they know that. And that's why they called and said, you don't need to come. There's no utility in your coming. And so again, it was just political theater. And political theater hurts people and it hurts their families. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why, you know, I I haven't had a big press conference to say, well, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Because then the focus will be more on that negative stuff. Than all of the positive stuff, and I need to say this: you hear all the talk about Augusta's school system, this and that and other. Now you know the Cyber Center of excellence is at Fort Gordon. Right? Do you really think they would have come to Augusta, Georgia, if our school system was that bad? <laughs> Do you really think that? You know what?
1: That's that. That is a an incredible perspective. I. It's, it's funny how we came to that because I, I think it uh, it helps to round round out you know our, our conversation because um. I asked you about the, uh, the, the controversy, if you want to call it that. Um, I, asked you about, I asked you about that last by design. Mm-hmm. But then we came back to, it, it's, it's a good point to make. So often Augusta gets we get such a bad rap uh, in Richmond County on various issues, and I don't think people really understand uh, what it does. It creates such a negative destiny for this area. And so people say, well, why don't we have this or why don't we have, you know, that? And a lot of times it comes down to the image of Richmond County.
9: Absolutely. And that's why no one, and it, I, I told you before, you know, the old folk, you says say it's a sorry dog that don't wag his own tail. CEOs call me because of my qualifications. What has happened, Ken, over the last uh, 15 to 17 months is that we've exploded in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Now CEOs, COOs, and CFOs don't have to ask other people about you. They Google us to find out as legislators, if we not only have the educational background, but the professional background as well, to be able to discuss something that will help their bottom line. Can we add value to their bottom line? Now I told you about the school, the education that I've had, but I'm also a Six Sigma black belt. I'm also a project management professional. and I'm also a former accredited aviation executive, and I tell you that because as African Americans, people need to know this as african-americans i don't care what station in life you're in once you get up the echelon and you get on the corporate level and you start sitting at the table the questions are going to be asked behind your back well what qualifies him or her to say what he's saying when they google my background that's their validation they got the justification oh he's this and he's this and he's done this and done that oh yeah he knows what he's talking about so that's why i'm telling district 125 we're in a good place a good position now, you saw all this stuff that happened with the Kendall Morgan Pipeline initiative. Uh, I, was I was instrumental in getting that blocked. I was instrumental in that because they sought me out. The, the uh, legislature, the sponsor of the bill, the name is Representative Bill Hitchens from down Savannah area. He sought me out because he said, Smith, I don't know anything about energy. You do. I need your help on this. So we'll have a study committee that will be getting on board to ensure that Augusta will be represented. And going forward, Augusta will be a part of any decisions that are being made. So God is good in District 125. We don't need a new voice. You have a now voice. And a now voice is working for you. And I want you to get comfortable in knowing that this voice is one that, like I said, God doesn't just call the qualified. He qualifies them that are called. That's, that's, a, that's
1: a great place to, uh, to end this conversation. Want to encourage everybody, go out and vote. Vote early. Uh, if you uh, don't get a chance to vote early, please, I implore you, Richmond County, Tuesday, May twenty-fourth, uh, you'll have an opportunity to vote uh, for uh, look for the uh, for either the incumbent or uh, the uh, the uh, new candidate for District One Twenty-Five. And with that, uh,
9: good to speak with you, Representative Ernest Smith. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: House District 125 candidate Sheila Clark Nelson. Welcome back to Making a Difference, I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here with a candidate for District 125, House District 125, uh, in uh, in Georgia. And she's uh, really running a campaign, talking about, you know, a, a new voice. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, really finding out exactly what that new voice is. Um, here with the listening audience, we're here with Ms. Sheila Clark Nelson. How you doing today?
6: I'm doing wonderful, how are you doing yourself?
1: I tell you, I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling good. Um, if you could just kind of describe that to us, we've uh, I've had a chance to uh, speak with you and, and hear from you in a couple of uh, a couple of the local forums, but just tell the listening audience, you know, when you when you say a new voice in 125, just kind of some of the things that you're saying, um, and, and, and why we may need that change
6: what I look at is I've been living in Augusta, Richard County for the last 30, something years of my life. and As I've been in District 125 for approximately 6 to 8 years now, being a community, I've been on a, a lot of community projects. I've had a chance to meet a lot of wonderful people. And the more people I've met as I got to my campaign, the more I realized they did not know who their state representative was. They had never heard of them, And they was looking forward and thanked me for reaching out to them to ask for their vote
1: okay so it's a it's an issue of uh not only uh uh, representation but accessibility that's correct okay um so if if elected how, how how will you change those um those two particular aspects of government
6: when I'm elected, it's one of the things I've been saying on my campaign trail all along, I'm looking forward to holding town hall meetings, whether it's throughout the neighborhood association, whether to community building, because everybody won't always know what's being decided and what's going on in Atlanta while we're
7: in session.
6: So I would look, look forward to coming kind back of and bringing them in the information so they can say, oh, this is what's going on in Atlanta, oh, this is what's about to happen in Augusta, or oh, this is what's just a place in Georgia. So they can stay informed, and I can also listen to their concerns.
1: That's really good to hear. Uh, tell us about your, um, your, your experience uh, professionally and politically.
6: Politically, I've been involved in politics now since I was a student at A.R. Johnson High School, which was many, many years ago. And as I became adult, old enough to vote, registered to vote, and I've always been involved in politics. I've worked for the Board of Election as a volunteer as a poll worker, but I've also had the opportunity to work on a lot of campaigns throughout the state of Georgia, which gave me a lot of experience as far as what to do, what not to do, and how I can make a difference with my constituents.
1: And uh, professionally?
6: Professionally, I've worked for more than 40 years, 34 of them with the U.S. Postal Service. I I started off as a part-time employee, and I worked my way up to retire as a supervisor of customer service. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of community projects to represent the Postal Service. For example, once I was appointed to be the chairperson of the Affirmative Matching Committee. And my job was to conduct meetings, listen to the employees' concerns, and to make sure they were treated fairly. Well, I felt like I could do a little bit more than just hold meetings. So I contacted someone that was one of my former teachers Ms. Laverne Gold at United Way. I got the post office involved in community projects. Being a federal agency, we had to be very careful about how we run about doing it. We adopted families, we provided food and toys for the needed throughout the Christmas holidays. But our organization got so big, we also had to adopt more families, and we had to do it secretly. So, the only thing we could do was collect and, uh donated items life from employees, and we did that for a number of years, and no one ever knew we did it. Huh.
1: That's a. Uh... It, and it's and it's funny because a lot of times when you hear about people doing things like that they really you know want the public to know and they want to get that exposure but the fact that y'all did that um and you know in relative uh 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 you know in anonymously um is is really impressive <sighs> We were excited to do it. It was my idea. I was the overseer, the
6: director of it. I got the information from United Way. Everything was always kept confidential. I got approval from upper management. We borrowed closely vehicles on the days we provided the deliveries. And nothing was ever known. The only thing people know was the mailman delivered the items. And we said happy holidays. It gave us joy to know we could help in the Augusta community.
1: That's really, really good, really good. What do you...
6: I worked for a number of voter registration drives. It's amazing the last... 6 to 8 years, the number of thousands of people we have in a council that have never registered to vote.
1: Huh. How, how many people would you say? Oh, I
6: would probably say I registered 1, 1,200 people registered to vote.
1: That's good. That's good. Partic- we
6: walked neighborhoods. We went to neighborhood associations. We called and got permission from various churches. At one time, we were doing two Sunday services every Sunday. And it was a group of us. I was just on the team because we felt like we had to do something to get people more involved in politics.
1: That's very admirable. What um what if well let me let me ask you like this. What do you want the public to know about uh, Sheila Clark Nelson?
6: I want them to know that I am honest, that my integrity says a lot about me, I am trustworthy. I want them to know that they will have access to me even when I'm in session. I want to be able to be informed of what's going on because if I don't listen to their concerns and their needs, I don't feel like best represent them.
1: That's very good, and I, I tell you, I want everybody to—actually, I want you to vote early. But if you don't vote early, please uh, take advantage of the opportunity to vote on Tuesday, May 24th. Uh, part, you can vote uh, in the House District 125 race. So glad to have one of the candidates for that race. Uh, Ms. Sheila Clark Nelson on the show with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, King. have a great day. All right. Did you enjoy that episode of Making a Difference? If you did, then I want you to follow and keep up with the making a difference movement on Twitter, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. If you're looking us up on iTunes, search for making M-A-K-I-N a Difference. SoundCloud, all you gotta do is go to SoundCloud.com backslash making a difference. On Twitter, the handle is Difference Making, M-A-K-I-N. And on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com backslash making a difference show. S-H-O-W. Thank you guys so much for supporting the movement. Love you guys. Peace and God bless.